This is the truth. When we follow after God, life just doesn't make much sense. It's simply not true that we have hope for life beyond this life. The choices we make now matter for eternity. That abundant life is found in following Jesus. That we were created to live in relationship to God. But before anything, you must know that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. Many people I know have this philosophy. Believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that we can truly discover our destinies if we follow after God. Whether you believe it or not, this is the truth. You should know that I believe exactly the opposite. This is the truth. Whether you believe it or not, if we follow after God, we can truly discover our destinies. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. Many people I know have this philosophy that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. But before anything, you must know that we were created to live in relationship to God, that abundant life is found in following Jesus, that choices we make now matter for eternity. We have hope for life beyond this life. It's simply not true that life just doesn't make much sense when we follow after God. This is the truth. Amen and amen. And church family, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, there are many times where we can feel victory. There are many times where we can feel joy, but my prayer is that the Easter victory and the Easter joy would surpass them all. Lord, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in our sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so today is the day Easter is like none other. Today is the pinnacle of our faith. There is victory because Jesus overcame. He is risen. Amen and amen. And in case I lose you during the rest of the message, I need to start out with great guns, and I need to tell you what Easter means. Easter means that God had a plan of salvation, and he pulled it off. He sent his son to be our savior, to die in our place and rise again, and the tomb is empty. He is one. Easter means that we have hope. It's a sure and a certain hope, a hope that he has set eternity in the hearts of mankind, that we were not meant just for this world, but for the next. And God's invitation is to live with him forever someday in the new heavens and the new earth. Easter means that no matter how defeated you feel, no matter what chapter of your story is being written right now, we know how the story ends and we win. Easter means... That you are not rejected, you are not alone, and you are not unloved. Rather, it means you are accepted. God is with you, and he loves you even more than you can possibly know because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, Easter means so much. So excited to celebrate with you. And if you're taking notes, what I wanted to share with you is our first takeaway. If you're filling in, Easter means that God has flipped life upside down. And to get things going, I want to talk about things that are not as they appear to be. Things that are not as they appear to be. I consider this as I moved to Chicago about 15 years ago. Been here uh, in this great state of Illinois. I know everyone believes that, right? 
Um, been here for 15 years. They're a great place to raise two daughters. And uh, for seven years of our lives here in Chicago, we would drive by what we thought was a very fancy restaurant off Harlem Road. This very fancy restaurant had a brick exterior, had great signage. And as long as we passed, we could never go in because at that time with young girls, we had a McDonald's budget. Do you know what I'm talking about? We couldn't drop like $40 on dinner like we'd go home and make hot dogs, right? So, so we drove up and down for seven years wondering like what's inside this fancy restaurant until finally we took the leap. And we went in this restaurant, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Portillo's. <laughs> and little did we realize they sell hot dogs, maybe you know that. And I was overjoyed because we could afford to buy a chili dog. And then I found out that actually this isn't a fancy restaurant. It started off as a hot dog stand, and now they're celebrating 60 years. And uh, you know, this is a place that anyone can go to. It's great. It's great. You should go to Portillo's. But things were not as they seemed at first. As we transition, our God makes things not as they seem to be. And that's what we're going to talk about in Life Upside Down. We're going to talk about the fact that weakness is actually strength. That foolishness is wisdom. That a way to find life is by losing our life. And today what we're going to talk about is that when it comes to death, there is life. A certainty about it. And this is the hope that all Christians have. The hope that God has flipped funerals around. In fact, perhaps you heard of the shootings in Nashville. And there was a pastor who lost his daughter. Pastor Scruggs, who lost a, a beautiful young gal named Hallie. And the world will look on this story, and apart from Jesus Christ, the world sees this story as only defeat, as only loss, as only sadness. Now, i got to be real, that's still there. There is grief. But you may know we don't grieve like the rest of the world, the world that has no hope. See, even in this moment, there is still joy, there is still victory, there is still gain. And Pastor Scruggs, he confessed that. He said, through tears we trust that she is in the arms of Jesus who raised her to life once again. And that's what he has done. There is life and death. Death is not the end, it's the beginning. It's not loss, it's gain. So God has flipped our perception of death. God has actually flipped our perception of religion and what God should be. In fact, when it comes to the religions of the world, I need to tell you a bold statement. A statement that most of society does not agree with, but Jesus Christ made very clear. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I need to tell you, not all religions are the same. They're not. If you do a cursory study of every other religion, to appease God is something you must do. To appease God is to bring a work of righteousness, a gift of sacrifice, a pilgrimage, a prayer. What we celebrate has flipped religion on its head. I want you to hear this most beautiful gospel. It says, while we were still sinners, what this is calling out, when you had nothing to give, when you were nothing but an enemy of Jesus Christ, Christ died for you. And the truth we proclaim is that it's Jesus' sacrifice, not ours, that gives us hope. It's Jesus' works, not ours. It's the reason that we have a right standing. It's all because of Jesus that we are saved, and because of that, there is true peace. 
you have peace today that no one can take away. Ephesians 2 says, For as by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. But Easter has also flipped what church is. What are we as a gathering today? The world might look in and say, well, they're the people that have it all together. Put on their Easter garb. They're the people that are a little bit better. This is a social club of saints where we're angels polishing our halos. I'm here to tell you that's not true. Church people, people gather at Amazing Love. We are just broken people who need a hospital, and we have found healing in the name of Jesus. That's what church is. In fact, what is Easter? It's the rowdy rallying point where we remember that sin doesn't have the final word and death doesn't have the final word and the devil doesn't have the final word because our God has the final word and that word, it is victory. And that's yours. Amen. Amen. And that's what we're going to hear about in our lesson for today. And so today we're going to go to the great resurrection chapter. Um, it's a chapter that maybe you can have as a devotion for your mealtime uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I want to set a little bit of the context. The Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to Christians who are wondering, you know, is there a resurrection? Did Christ rise? And what does that mean? And so Paul says throughout the, the letter, um, he, he says, you know, the tomb is empty. He's not there. He has risen. He also explains that because of this, our sins are forgiven. He explains then to gather around the cross of Jesus in the empty tomb is to do the best thing in the world, to worship the risen Christ. He also explains that those who come in the name of Jesus are not liars, and faith is not a crutch for the weak. Rather, those who come in the name of Jesus are Christ's ambassadors who represent the King of kings and extend his kingdom to many others. But then he explains what happens to our bodies because of the resurrection, and that's what we're going to get into so in 1 Corinthians 15, and something we love to do to honor God's word is we just stand as we hear it. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear God's word this morning. Here it is. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. <laughs> Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God... He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move. You always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, it is not in vain. This is the great Easter message. Before you sit down, can you tell your neighbor, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Please be seated. Amen and amen. Something I recognize about the world we live in is that products are always being new and improved. Have you ever seen a product that was new and improved? They've even put that on toothpaste. Well, I was uh, thinking about this when I was considering the movie called Air. Uh, maybe you've heard about it. It's about uh, Nike going after Michael Jordan and creating this new basketball shoe. 
Well, I want to do some history on the product of basketball shoes with you this morning. And do you know, for a long, long time, this was the standard basketball shoe? Anyone wearing those today? Someone's got them. Yep, yep. Um, they were known for such technology as non-skid technology. They're the sure footing technology. And from 1917 to about the 1970s, this was the standard. Converse reigned. Until... If you've seen a clip from the movie Air, uh, the character played uh, by Matt Damon says, we need the best basketball shoe ever made. And represented by that is Jordan 1's, Bulls colors. There we go. And Jordan 1's were something. They finally have ankle support. How about that? Um, but technology continues to evolve. In fact, we've moved from Jordan to LeBron, and this is one of the latest LeBron 19's, the air pockets and the ankle support. Uh, this is the new improved basketball shoe. In fact, if you go back to Jordan 1's, uh, Michael Jordan played him in the last game uh, for the Bulls, and he had blisters and his feet were sore because they were not the greatest basketball shoe anymore. In fact, Jordan 1's today, they're in the section of Nike called lifestyle shoes. They're not even basketball shoes because they're so new and improved today. Well, we see that all the time. We see that with cell phones and computers. We see that with TVs, right? Well, transition with me from products to people. I want you to consider yourself. First of all, I want you to remind you that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And by the way, on Easter, you're looking good. I want to remind you that God picked your eye color. He picked your talents and abilities. He picked your birthday. He'll pick the day that he calls you. He was in charge of all these things. But something that you and I are is version 1.0. Another way of saying it is we're beta version. In fact, can you turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're beta version, you're beta version, you're beta version. Because God has a new version coming. The full release, the final release. And that body, don't ask me its age, that body is meant to live forever. And that's what God is talking about through the great resurrection chapter. The words of Paul were this. He said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Your 1.0 version is not ready for it. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. But the question is, how do we get new and improved? How do we get past beta version? And the answer is death. In fact, if you're taking notes, God's gateway for transformation is actually to die. Because it is only then that we can be reborn and remade. In fact, uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of gardening. And uh, in the Chicago area, um, I don't know how many of you love tulips. Maybe you have tulips um, by your house. Well, some of you might know how tulips start. They, they start as, as these weird-looking bulb things. They look like onions, right? And if you ever planted a bulb, like, you don't actually see what's going on. You, you hope that something is happening underneath the ground, but, but it looks just like ground. It, it doesn't look like anything, right? And the bulb isn't even pretty. Until, if you get it right, photosynthesis and some water, you have these beautiful blooming tulips. This is how God pictures our death. All those who die in Jesus Christ, whether it's Hallie Scruggs, whether it's someone in your life, whether it's a son or daughter, 
whether it's a mom or dad, whether it's a spouse, we place them in the dirt. And we don't see what is going on, but God knows what is going on. He's making them bloom and rise. He's making what was perishable imperishable, what was sown in dishonor, which will be raised in glory. And so we look at death a little bit different. We know it is not the end. We know it is gain. It is the way that we get transformed. And this is the truth. But friends, there is a greater transformation. And the greater transformation that I need to talk about is not about our bodies. In fact, to talk about this, sometimes what is inside of us shows on the outside. For example, if you're ever sick, you know that sometimes the disease is inside that shows up on the outside. Same with health. I hear that if you eat a lot of vegetables, it can look like you're healthy. That's what I hear. Theory. What's on the inside shows on the outside. And I need to proclaim to you that the biggest transformation you need is not about your body. It's about your heart. See, God looks at all of us and he knows what's on the inside. He sees us for who we truly are. And unfortunately, we cannot rely on our hearts. Our hearts were made in sin. Our hearts are corrupt. Our hearts are deceitful. We even deceive ourselves, says Scripture. And so the greatest transformation we need, what the prophet Ezekiel spoke about. Prophet Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's what we need. The greatest transformation we can experience is that of the heart and the soul. Where no longer are the hearts of stone, but the hearts that beat for God. That say, I love you, Lord. That say, I want to do your will. Hearts that believe he has overcome. But how do we have this heart transformation? It's a really simple answer. Are you ready for it? Simply believe. It's by faith. It's faith in this story that we proclaim, and you've probably heard before, that when Jesus died on the cross, his death is actually our death. That when Jesus lived and was tempted in every way and found without sin, his life is for our life. And that when he rose again to prove that he had conquered death, his resurrection is our resurrection. Because he rose, we will rise. And it is simply by believing this message that we have heart transformation. If you know and confess Jesus is Lord, you have been transformed and you are what is called the new creation. And if you're new to Christ, you're watching online. This is a message I hope the Holy Spirit sinks so deep into your soul. Because there is more than life than this. Jesus has overcome. Jesus loves you. He's approved of you because of his cross and empty tomb. So Easter changed some things. Easter transforms our bodies. Easter transforms our hearts. But now I want to talk about Easter transforming our vision, our perspective on life, how we view this world. You know, it's interesting. If you knew what the future held, I think you'd probably change your activity today. How many of you would agree with that? For example, if we knew what COVID would do to our society, I bet with hindsight, you'd have perfect 2020 vision on what you might have done differently. Maybe started a mask company. I'm not sure. Well, what's interesting is this is documented in another great movie called Back to the Future. Excuse me, I'm a child of the 80s. And Marty McFly had this uh, sports almanac that the evil guy named Biff got a hold of. 
And when Biff got the sports almanac and went back in time, he knew what he was going to do with his knowledge of the future. Now, I'm not promoting gambling, but that's what he did. And he was always on. He always got it right because he knew what was coming next. Now, for you and I, if we had stock tips, you know, back in the day, we might have invested in Amazon. We might have invested in Apple or Tesla or Google, right? Hindsight being 2020. Knowing the future changes what we would do right now. I bring this up because God actually gives the future promises to his people. In fact, what he did is he told a man named Noah about what was coming. Maybe you know his story. Noah was told a hundred years before it happened that there would be a worldwide flood. And Noah then did something about it. Knowledge of the future changed what he did in the present. And what was his activity? He built this. And every day, neighbors could come to Noah. And the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. And they could say, Noah, why are you building this ark? There's not sea around us. That flood's coming. I know it. And Noah changed his behavior because of what was coming. He made sure that ark was ready to go because the flood was real. Some of you might have seen that through the ark encounter. Do you know by the grace of God, he has given you foresight into the future? We are prophets. You know what we know? We know what Paul proclaimed. He said in the great resurrection chapter, we will not all sleep. Now what does that mean? We will not all face death. We won't. In fact, what he referred to is this. He said, the trumpet will sound. Now, what is that a picture of? Do you know? This is Jesus coming back in the same way that he ascended into heaven. He's coming down on the clouds. And God says that some of you will be alive when this happens. Paul said, we will not all sleep. Now, to this point, only two people have had that privilege. A man named Enoch who walked with God and a man named Elijah who had a fiery chariot carrying them God. Um, I always hope to be like Elijah, like if if I could get a fiery chariot, I'm here. Please throw me something, right? Um, But I don't think I'm going to get a fiery chariot. I have believed, though. What if God returns in my lifetime? And that's what I want to ask you. How would you think and what would you do if God returned in your lifetime? Let's say it's at Easter brunch and you guys are eating ham, mashed potatoes, carrots. You got some peeps on the table for dessert and Jesus is coming down. In that moment, what's going to matter? Back to Noah. You know when the floods came, came through the ground from the sky, do you think it mattered what their house looked like? Do you think it mattered how much money they had or the meal that they were eating? You know the only thing that mattered? That they didn't have an ark. That's what mattered. When Jesus returns in our lifetime, if he does, is it going to matter how many countries you visited? Is it going to matter what is in the bank account? Is it going to matter what you ate for breakfast? No. The only thing that will matter is that you have the ark of the church, the ark that shares faith, that you are safe because of Jesus Christ. What's going to matter also is that we have worked together in order to bring many others in to the ark of the church. And so there is another way we are transformed. We go from beta version to full release, and that transformation is through Jesus' return, the trumpet call. 
And it's going to happen. It's a sure thing, as sure as the flood happened. And so what are we going to do about it? How does knowledge of the future change what we're doing today? Well, Paul says it flips our perspective on what's important. And Paul said this. He said, in view of this, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, it is not in vain. And what this means is that as we have mere moments on this earth, we have time left in order to build this ark called the church and tell people there is room. We got a place for you. Because what God has done through Easter, he has flipped our perspective on what's important. Now some people, they have to wait to a funeral to see what's finally important. I don't know if you've been to a funeral, but at a funeral, you understand that how good they were at chess really doesn't matter. How good they were at golf really doesn't matter. How many languages they spoke really doesn't matter. You know what matters at a funeral? That they knew Jesus and that they shared Jesus. And that's what we know. And so there's a step today. See, this gathering is not just on Easter Sunday. This gathering is every week. And our next step is to commit to helping build the ark of the church. And there's room for you here. And there's great work to do. The whole world needs to know that there is a Savior who reigns, a Savior who has overcome. Because as we do this work together, you know what the world's going to find? They're going to find an answer for death. One of my favorite things is when the Apostle Paul taunts our greatest enemy. Did you hear the taunt? He said, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Jesus has the victory, not you, death. That's what the world's going to find. They're going to find a Savior who flips some things. You know, one of the great stories of the Bible is when Jesus went to a funeral of a little girl. And when he was at the funeral, everyone was crying, everyone was mourning. And to lose a child, you know, is one of the worst things, one of the most foreign things we can experience as humans. It's the end of a future. But Jesus comes in and he says something upside down. He says these words, stop wailing or crying. She is not dead but asleep. Because of these words, something unusual happens. They all start laughing at a funeral. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Until Jesus does what he does next. He says, get up, little girl. And that girl comes back to life. I want to tell you if you've lost anyone. A grandma, a grandpa, a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter. If you've lost anyone in Jesus Christ, they are not lost. Because through the eyes of faith, we have already seen Jesus say, get up. And they are alive, as we will be. And so we have work to do. To tell the world there's an answer for death. Because we as a church family, we know what Easter means. We know that the lengths of God's love goes beyond our imagination. We know that we have mere moments to proclaim his victory. We know that we are not alone. We are not rejected. We are not unloved. Rather, he is with us. He has approved of us. And he loves you even more than you know. Why? Because Christ is risen. Amen and amen. And the peace of God which transforms our understanding, may it guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we have the opportunity to confess our faith. Today, we'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed just to confess who God is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.